Chapter 7 of Falcons of Narabedla by Marion Zimmer Bradley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 7 Battle in My Brain. The fire in the other room had burned down to an ember. Without a glance my way, Narayan mended the fire, sat down, his legs stretched toward the little blaze, his chin in his hands, waiting. I could not stand still. I walked, restless, around the room, speaking in little jerks and half-sentences. "'You are the dreamer,' I said. "'I... I remember a little. I remember being bound to you. I remem remember when I freed you, not knowing what it might mean, not knowing you could have slain me on the ground of sacrifice.' "'No,' Narayan was as motionless as Gamine's veils, but his voice was harsh, strident. No, Adric, never that. We cannot kill each other, you and I. I could order you killed, I suppose, but I... I would never do that unless there was no other way. Adric, is there any other way for me, for you? A bitterness spoke in my voice. Neither side trusted Adric. Both wanted his allegiance. I tried to trim my words carefully between the two personalities that were battling for mastery in me. "'It was Karami,' I said, "'who took Adric from you and sent him, half mad, back to the Crimson Tower. Karami's magic stripped him of power and sent him, gone mad, back to stargazing in Narabedna. "'But it was not Karami's!' The voice that was not quite mine shook, suddenly, with my own weariness, and the blank terror I'd been keeping at bay. It was not Karami who sent me here. I'm not Adric. You are perfectly right. I'm no more Adric than... than you are. I'm in Adric's body, yes. He moves me like a puppet. I have his memories, his... some of his thoughts. But he... My voice cracked suddenly on a note of panic. I knew I sounded like a hysterical kid, but I couldn't stop my own crack-up once it had broken loose. I'm not, Adric. I'm not. I don't belong here at all. I don't. Narayan jumped up from the bench, and I heard his hurrying steps. Then his steel hands were hard upon my shoulders, swinging me round to face him. All right, he said. Steady. It's all right. I drew a long breath and let it out again. "'Thanks,' I said briefly, shamed. "'I'll be all right now.' Narayan shrugged wearily. "'It's all right. I guessed you weren't Adric, of course, from the beginning. But I didn't think Adric, when it came to the test, would really do that to me. I had his promise. I suppose, for him, it was an easy way out. A perfect way of escape.' He sank down on the bench again, dropping his head in his hands. After a little he looked up, and his voice sounded tired. "'This is difficult,' he said. "'My men think you are Adric. I'd never be able to convince them you aren't. Would you mind pretending? You'll have to. Otherwise—' He paused, and I saw disquiet in his face. He was not a man who would enjoy threatening but I could understand his situation. They didn't know me from Adam. 
I was just an outsider who messed things up by resembling Adric. Well, I was stuck. I hadn't liked the Nerebedlans enough to give a hang what Nereyan meant to do to them. Nereyan, by comparison, looked pretty decent. And there was no other way to save my skin. Adric wasn't too popular, it seemed, and in Adric's body I hadn't a chance. I laughed. I'll try, I told him, but what's this all about? Narain looked up again. That's right, you wouldn't know. You have some of Adric's memory, I suppose, but not all. You remember who I am? Not entirely, I told him. I remembered some things. Narain had been born, some thirty years ago, into a respectable country family who were appalled to discover they had given birth to a mutant dreamer, and were only too glad to deliver him to the Narabedlans for the enforced stasis. I told Narain. You remember the old dreamer who served your house? I nodded. He had become old, mortal, weak, and had been eliminated. I bowed my head, although I had no personal guilt. Afterward, Narayan and I had been bound. I slept in the dreamer's keep. Narayan sounded reflective, almost guilty. I was wakened and given sacrifice. I learned to use my power and to give it up to Adric. A brooding horror was in the gray eyes. I realized that Narayan dwelt in his own personal private hell with the memory of what he had done under the spell of Narabedla. Adric was strong. Yes, I thought. Adric had called on Narayan's new power without counting cost. What wonder the memory maddened Narayan! The young dreamer seemed to win his silent fight for self-control. Well, you, Adric, I mean, freed me. I found my sister again, Sonara. I was like a child. I had to learn to live, to be alive again. I had been trained to use my power only through the sacrifice. I had to learn to use it without. It wasn't easy. Why? I asked thoughtlessly. Narayan's eyes froze me. To use that power, he said in a tense, controlled voice, took human life. Outside the door I could hear the noises of the camp. The light of their watchfires crept in through the cracks. It was too dark to see Narayan's face now, but I heard him moving restlessly about the room. I have harnessed the power somewhat, he said. I can use it myself a little. Not much. Adric helped me. So did my sister. She had been taken for sacrifice, but you, Adric, redeemed her. Then we were able to throw an illusion around Sonara. She is not of Narabedla, but we made it seem as if she had always been there in Rainbow City. We could do that because Everin is weak, and because Karami did not care. It was Reese who made the illusion. Reese, the old dreamer, the only one born in Narabedla. Yes, Gamine is careless with Reese and lets him wake too long. Reese and I have been in contact for a long time. I was hearing scraps of conversation from a vast abyss of time and space when I had been drawn in electric coma through Karami's time ellipse. They will know. Narayan will know. 
That had been old Reese. And Adric. What have I to do with Nereyan? Adric had been, still was, playing a fancy double game with Nereyan. I started to open my lips to tell the young dreamer about it, but he was still talking. Reese will not act, not directly against Rainbow City. But he did that much for us, and Gamine and Sonara are friends. We forgot, we all forgot, that Adric's allegiance belonged to Narabedla first, until he vanished. I heard the brooding heaviness in Narayan's voice. These men had been friends. Narayan went on. I sent Brennan today to find out. He didn't come back. I lowered my head and miserably told him what had happened to Brennan. Narayan's face in a flicker of firelight looked drawn and haggard. He was a brave man, Narayan said at last. But I don't blame you. After the interchange, I think, there was a time when you went on living Adric's life, thinking his thoughts. But now, I think, he will grow weaker in you, I hope. You, who are you, in your own world? I shrugged. The words would have meant nothing to Narayan. My name's Mike Kenscott. Mayek, Narayan repeated, turning the strange word on his tongue. The men will call you Adric. I'd better, too. Later, he shrugged, I didn't say anything. I was still convinced that I hadn't seen the last of Adric. But I didn't want to tell Narayan this. I liked the man. Without warning, Narayan switched on lights. It's near dawn, and you must be worn out. We've taught them to stay clear of the forests at night, so we're safe enough here. They can't do much till they've been to the Dreamer's Keep in any case. With a sudden boyish friendliness, he put out his hand and I took it. I'm glad you're not Adric. He might be hard to handle now, if he's changed so much. As if the lights had been a signal, Fat Rafe came without knocking into the room. Narain crossed his hostile stare at me. He's all right, Rafe, the dreamer said. The fat face broke into a sudden, elephantine smile. I'd better apologize, Adric. I had orders. Find him a place to sleep, Narain suggested and I followed Rafe up a flight of low stairs into an inner room. There was a bed there, clean but tumbled, as if it had had another occupant not long ago. Rafe said, Carol's gone with Sonara. You can sleep here. I kicked off my boots and crawled between the blankets, suddenly too weary even to answer. I had been two days without sleep, and most of that time I had been under exhausting physical and mental strain. I saw Rafe cautiously finger his weapons and sensed that, whatever Narayan said, he was reserving judgment. He didn't take chances, this outside lieutenant of Narayan's. Sleepily, I said, You can put that up, my friend. I'm not going to move till I've had a good, long... I didn't even finish the sentence to myself. Instead, I went to sleep. I had slept for hours. I came abruptly out of confused dreams to hear a shrill voice and to feel small hands pulling me upright. Sonara. "'Wake up, Adric!' she wailed. "'Carrie and Everin are riding today, hunting you!' I sat up, dizzy-brained, far from alert. "'Sonara! How—' "'Oh, never mind that!' 
Her voice was impatient. What can we do? I didn't know. I was still stupid with sleep, but I put a reassuring arm around her shoulders. Don't be afraid, I told her, then releasing her, bent and began to pull on my boots. I heard the swift pound of steps on the stairs, and Narayan shoved open the door, dragging a brown tunic over his head as he came. He stopped short at the door, staring at his sister. Sonara, what are you doing here? She repeated her news, and he sighed. He looked as if he hadn't slept at all. Well, never mind, he told her. The game was almost over anyhow. Sooner or later they would have broken through the illusion. Reese is too old now for that. You were lucky to get away. We'll have to storm the keep tonight, unless they have too good hunting. He fumbled with the laces of his shirt. A dead weariness was in his gray eyes. They looked flat, almost glazed. He met my questioning stare and smiled ruefully. The dreamers stir, he told me. I am not yet free of their need. So I must be careful. Sonera shuddered and threw her arms around her brother's neck, clutching him with a fiercely sheltering clasp. Nereyan, no! Oh, no! Don't! But he was already deep in thought again. He freed her arms without impatience. We'll meet that when the time comes, little sister. So, Karami and Everin ride hunting. Who else? Idris? At her nod, his brows contracted. All of them. But Gamine, he mused and turned to me. Could you conceivably get through to Reese? I don't dare. Not with that. that stirring. I understood. Narayan was still attuned to the terrible need of the sleeping dreamers in the keep. But I reminded him that only Gamine could control old Reese. He looked at me with a strange, curious question in his eyes, but made no comment. My own mind was working strong. I was unsure how I had gotten here in the house of the free dreamer. Just what had happened last night? I had thought Narayan would never trust me again. But now, when I needed it most, I seemed to be in his complete confidence. Damn Karami anyhow, meddling with my memory. And she had the audacity to fly Everin's devil-birds after me. Adric, lord of the Crimson Tower. She should have a lesson she would not forget. And so should the presumptuous Gamine. And so should this walking zombie who was staring at me stupidly, as if I were his equal. I said with a slow savagery, I think I can manage Gamine. Narayan was watching me anxiously. Gods of the rainbow, what preposterous things had I said and done last night? I said, We'll take them at the dreamer's keep, and saw his face clear. But what you do not know, Narayan, I added to myself with a secret satisfaction, is that you will join them there. It never occurred to them to question, to wonder if Adric today were the Adric of last night. We went downstairs and snatched a quick breakfast. Sonara tore off her winged flame-colored cloak and stuffed it wrathfully into the fireplace. Her coarse gray dress beneath it made her shy prettiness more striking than ever. Sonara was not Karami, but she was a pretty thing. 
and Narayan could hardly fail to trust me when Sanara perched on the arm of my chair and ran her dainty fingers over the bruises on my face. "'Your roughs nearly killed him,' she pouted at her brother. "'Oh, I'm not hurt.' I smiled at her, making my voice gentle for her ear alone. But I scowled darkly into my plate, pushed the food away, and strode out into the camp. Narayan shouted quickly, jumping up, sending his chair crashing to the floor, and he ran after me so that we went down the steps together. "'Wait!' he commanded in my ear softly. "'Don't forget, to them you're still a traitor!' He took my arm and we walked through every row of tents together, Narayan's expression almost belligerent. I saw the faces of the men as they came from their improvised shelter, saw suspicion gradually give way to tolerance, and then casual acceptance. Finally Narayan called to Rafe. "'Stick to him, will you, Rafe? He's all right, but the men don't know it yet.' I glanced at Narayan. "'Rafe,' I said tentatively, "'can you find me twelve men who know the way to Rainbow City and aren't afraid to come close to it?' "'I can,' Rafe said, and went to do it. I had to hide a smile. Before long I would win back the place my foolishness had lost. The idiot whose body I had shared briefly had almost put it beyond recovery, but in a way he had helped, too. His weakness had won Narayan's confidence. Well, one thing I knew, that futile idiot should not share the coming triumph. Nor should Narayan. Narayan. Fumbling in my pocket, I touched something smooth and hard. Everin's mirror. Narayan, looking over my shoulder as I dragged it out, asked curiously, "'What's that?' I pulled it out with a secret smile. "'One of Everin's toys. Look at it if you like.' Narayan took it in his hand for a moment, without, however, untwisting the silk. "'Go ahead,' I urged. "'Unwrap it.' I might have sounded too eager. Abruptly Narayan handed it back. "'Here. I don't know anything about Everin. I had to conceal my disappointment. With a feigned indifference I thrust it back into the pocket. It did not matter. One way or another Narayan would lose. For Everin and Karami rode a-hunting today, and I knew what their game would be. End of chapter 7